Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and this is Ready to Be Real Conversations. The podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not. But my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This week I speak to impressionist Connor Moore. I had, I had a brain tumour when I was in America in 2013. Whoa, did and not I, know that. Yeah, and uh, Have you spoken about that before? Not really, no. Um, okay. I yeah, I don't really speak about it like it like because I I try to it's, kind of it's a big so, deal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it's I kind of find like and I know people say well that's not right or whatever, but I kind of find when you just don't give something or dwell on something like it just doesn't you don't really think about it too much. Yeah, fair but enough. But it, it yeah. certainly had a profound effect on me, I think, because like I was about twenty three or four and I was like, you're this happens to you you're, and uh, you're lying in a hospital bed and you're like, oh, I could die, and then you're like, yeah. you're thinking, all right, what have I done? Like, or what did I want to do? And all these questions, and you're like, I need to do that. And I've been floating around the last couple of years, like, you know, and I just haven't been doing anything. And, you know, just again, yeah, the only word I can describe it is floating. Yeah. I'm not really going anywhere. Wherever the wind takes you, you're just going there. But, like, in terms of, and I would have been, like, pretty ambitious even growing up. And when I get stuck into stuff, I really get stuck into it. And there was a couple of years there, I just wasn't getting stuck into anything. And that happened to me. And I remember there was a couple of months there where it was like, oh, well we don't know what way this kind of going to go I got it taken out anyway and it turned out like <clears throat> I kind of got it just in time it wasn't uh, like benign but it wasn't like like uh, aggressively cancerous or whatever like that so I but had it gone unnoticed in my oh 100% yeah like Whoa. definitely Connor lives in Dublin with his wife Fiona and they're currently in the process of building their forever home in Mullingar and along with his career in entertainment he also invested in a bar in New York a few years ago called the Westbury in this conversation, he talks impressions and working with Tiger Woods. He talks golf and Formula One, his wife Fiona, his take on manifesting and how having a brain tumour in his 20s changed him. 
and I started off by congratulating him on the success over the past six and a half years. I know, yeah, and t- it really does fly because when you hear six and a half, you think it's a long time. Yeah. And then you go, geez, everything happened like just so quick. Like I still remember like working in three, do you know, like so vividly, like it's not like it was a lifetime ago or anything. But yeah, you think six years and it's... Uh, yeah, I just every year I kind of set different kind of goals out for myself when I get in involved in different games. I kind of try and freshen it up all the time. Yeah. So there's always something going on because otherwise like I couldn't do, I couldn't stay in the one like game or category for a couple of years without just getting bored then. Mm. I was the same when I, I used to have jobs. Like, like people used to be like, oh, you're doing another interview. Oh, you left that job as well. And I'm like, yeah. I would just go six months gone, six months gone. I've gone something else then. I just have that. I don't know what it is. Do you still have that? Uh, yeah, like uh, with work, like at the minute, like I'm obviously doing a lot of F1 stuff, and uh, no, and and some of that like is based off like fear of like going stale or anything in any one game, because like I kind of find with impressions like they're funny the first two or three times. After that, then you have to have content, and see that's the hard part. Yeah, um, like when you hear. When I do a voice or whatever, it's it, it, sometimes it's it's weird. In Ireland, I find if I do, uh, like when I used to do Joe Brawley years ago, yeah, hilarious. She'd be absolutely new and it's so wonderful. You can totally forget about you as far as your man. But people have heard me do it so many times, then they're kind of listening, right? Where's the joke here? So I don't get the laugh for the voice. All right, I get you, yeah. And then I've been doing Tommy the last like year or two and yeah. everyone just, you know, like that. And then, you know, you do the eyebrows, like, you know, <laughs> wonderful, isn't it? Thanks for having me now. Gina, it's great. Um, <laughs> and he has actually been on the pod. Uh, and it was one of the greatest moments of my life. It really was. I mean, I just, it made me really, you know, fantastic. It was beautiful. Yeah. I just, you know. <laughs> Do you know what, actually, just to go off topic, I was only thinking of this this morning. See your man, Austin Butler, won the Golden Globe. Yeah. And he did yeah, Elvis. Yeah, he's still, he still has the accent. And I'm trying to put myself in his shoes going, because I often, if I can't get somebody, mm. like Tommy, when I was in America, like I was doing Tommy every day listening to him. And I'd walk around the house and be like, I, I just kind of, when I'm on my own, I'd be like, Rush, now grab the cornflakes <laughs> and where's the milk? And I just try to talk like them, like as much as I can, like sort of like method acting. Method, yeah. And obviously he was doing that for Elvis, like, but like his voice before it was like, yeah, you know, I was really excited to get out there and, you know, blah, blah. And obviously it's now, hey, how you doing? Uh, so great to you know, get the Golden Globe, man. Uh, you, know, um, you know, playing Elvis was a real incredible experience. And you're like, yeah, man. And he's, he's and so he was cool. Asked, yeah, he was asked about it, I think, afterwards in a press conference. And, and it was really sweet, actually, because he was saying, like, I, I actually am not even aware that I'm still doing it. Yeah, Because yeah. somebody asked, you're still basically doing the Elvis voice. What's what's going on? And he's like, this is my voice. Though. Yeah, and no, I kind of thought this morning, I might just start going around like a Michael D. Yes, indeed. Well, it's wonderful, <laughs> isn't it? Thanks for having me. Oh, just it's in my DNA now. I can't stop. <laughs> he's a great one to do as well, isn't he, Michael D? He's got a great voice, yeah. Some yeah, people have different, like... Great voice. Some people have great voices. Some people have great, like, mannerisms. Some people are just kind of stone mad and it's funny, like, you know. It all, like, depends, like, you know. It, like, the Healy Rays, for example. Yeah. And you've two di- completely different accents, like. Yeah, yeah. Well, well they're out there and you've Michael there and geez, I tell you now. There's one thing here I will say, straight out, that in terms of siblings, the greatest siblings in Ireland are me and Denny. <laughs> You and Granny can take that back. <laughs> and then you go over to Danny. He's like, "Well, out there today, and it's kind of like that, and the whole lot in the climate change." 
It's mad. Like in fairness, in Ireland, like I find uh, over in America, like mm. you, you drive for five hours and like the accents won't change at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could drive for like a half an hour down Mullingar. You could go like the Believer there in Mead to have an hour. And where well, I was going to, you know, it's like yeah, 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 completely, completely different. So one of one of the, one of the people that I think you became so loved for and, and still to this day, of course. Ha- yeah, <laughs> has to be him. Absolutely, Jolik Nan. Yeah. Oh, he was. To be honest with you, like I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for Jolik. Yeah, he was. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well, you see, because when I started out in Joe, um, when I started doing the impersonations or whatever, the boys kind of hired me for football stuff in the UK. Mm. Um, and when I went in there again, it's funny the first couple of times, and then like the content has to be good, or else you're just going to get chopped up online. You know what it's like, mm. and. I found Jer was just like the kind of default safety character that like I could have Jer just going to the shop. Yeah. Like I had him do, buying a burrito one day from the shop. Like people loved it. Like then yeah. when I'd go on holidays, I'd go to Thailand and I'd just do a video of him in Thailand <laughs> just going mad, just drinking and being in all the bars. And I'd, I'd, I'd do it on my phone over the course of a couple of days, put it together two and a half minutes, bang, it would get like 200,000 views on Facebook and stuff yeah. like that. So it was like, like, I suppose it was such a confidence builder then because you knew you kind of had like a bit of a, a weapon in your pocket that like if you needed to pull it out or you need, or it was a week there where just there's not much going on or oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was like, I'll just do Jer doing anything. Mm. And people just loved it. Like pe- people just love that kind of raw Irish. Um, you see, because someone like him, people go, I oh, like he's of a certain age. So he'd be out of touch with modern Ireland. And I was kind of like bringing him into modern Ireland and oh, he was yeah, bringing yeah. his old school ways into modern Ireland. As someone said to me one day, it was like, that character Jerlock Nan was like, um, like it was. It's nothing really like the real Jerlock Nan in terms of the hardiness and the voice, obviously, and the the shoulders and the neck and all that. <laughs> but um, the wildness to it, like Jer doesn't even drink, like and try to have him as this like party animal, it's like him mixed with Hugh Hefner or something, yeah, like, yeah. You know, which isn't entirely true, obviously. But as one of the lads said to me, it's like you created like the Jerlock Nan that we all in our heads want to think he's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's not really. But we'd love if, like, the camera went off and you're like, "Just he's a bit of a wild man, actually." You know what I mean? <laughs> he looks going out, and that's uh, yeah, it was it was huge. Like, I, like I remember doing it for Grani actually the first time on up for the match. That's right. And I don't know if she'd really heard it before then, and she was like, "Oh my god, that is the best thing ever." Yeah. I was like, "Jez, you wouldn't ever run the ton of sweet in your mouth." Yeah. And she was like, "Make sure you say that really slow on the TV so it lands." <laughs> she absolutely loved it, but I remember watching that night as well, and. I- you know, you had already been doing a lot of stuff online, but I think, it, yeah, it was your first time on TV, wasn't yeah, it? National yeah. TV. First time on TV. Um, and I was a bag of nerves. Were you, yeah. Oh my God, I was a bag of nerves. When I think back, it's amazing. I did up for the match last year. I've done it three times. did it last year and I was kind of laughing last year. I was sitting on the couch and I was looking at me watching. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to be late. And I had to jump into the car and I was like, geez, like three years ago, yeah, well, I spent three days before that walking around my house learning off my lines. Mm. Like this was the biggest thing ever. And it's amazing how obviously like when you get like, you do these things after a while, experience. you get a bit more confidence and experience. Yeah, that they're not as daunting to you. Now, I'm going to be asking you probably questions you've been asked a load of times before and the obvious ones, but you know, you're brilliant at it. You've, you've obviously got a huge amount of talent and it's a huge amount of work to do what you do. And, and as, as you said, write up all the material and all the rest. But as a kid, was it a constant thing where you were always, you know, impersonating people around you? Uh, yeah. Usually I get asked to do it as a kid and I'm always like, well, no. Like, I, like I remember when my dad got the Apri Match DVD and I started like impersonating them. Um, but like before that, even like my mum, every Christmas, she'd be like, Connor, do the Pat Shore thing, okay. you know, do this, do that. But it'd be always doing people or whatever we'd see on like the TV or Christmas special or something. Um, like I remember even watching Titanic and going around pretending to talk like your man, Cal, like I put the diamond in the coat. 
Okay. I put the coat on her. You know, or I'd be, when I was younger, uh, trying to talk like Elvis. Yeah. Or trying to sing like Elvis. I was always like, I don't know, a lot of people probably do that as well in terms of singing. But, um, and he, do you have a voice? Like, are you musical? No, not at all. Would you believe all I right, met okay. Jerry Halliwell? Um, yeah. Two weeks, three weeks ago. I was doing a gig for Red Bull. She was like, oh, I bet you're an amazing singer. <laughs> and I was like, I'm actually not. I've actually a really bad voice. Right. Uh, we, like, obviously, people think I have this excellent voice that I can just put them down with it and stuff. But I've no power in it. And I've, like, acid reflux. So, like, I can't, like, even coming on here to speak, like, I, I wouldn't have had a breakfast this morning because if I eat... I, 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 my voice right. kind of goes soft and stuff. I remember doing the little show the first two times and drinking coffee and having food in the dressing room before it and going out. And then anytime I do a gig, I'm like, I just, it must be a nervous thing that my voice just isn't as good. And then when I was in America, COVID hit, I was practicing so much. I mm. realized that certain parts of the day, I wasn't as good at other parts of the day and went to a throat specialist. He's like, oh yeah, you have like silent acid reflux. Every time you eat whatever, my voice, like some sort of like, whatever, a phlegm or mucus, whatever is sure, on, yeah, yeah. on your, not to get gross. So yeah. like I can't sing and if I try to sing, like my voice goes hoarse really quick. So I can't. So if someone said to me, go in there to that room with no microphone and make everyone laugh doing impressions, I'd be like, I can't. I was like, I need a microphone. I need something to amplify my voice so that I don't have to stretch it. Yes. Or else I lose it all. But Jerry Heller was like, you're, you're definitely musical. You definitely it was so funny actually she was I was up on stage and I was doing I was doing these uh, impersonations I started doing Lewis Hamilton okay whole, whole play starts booing or whatever okay yeah and uh, just for the crack like yeah, you know yeah, and yeah. then I'm like or the guy beside me was like oh, come on guys he's only pretending and he's having a laugh everyone's kind of laughing at it whatever yeah and then she after I came down and she was like why did that guy say you were pretending I was like what you, they got to believe in the magic and she would give me all these tips she was brilliant like she really watched it like and came Aww. down and was like and then she was like you've got to be musical you've got to be and I was like I'm not I'm actually terrible she's like no you got to be I was like trust me give me the microphone I'll start singing I'm terrible <laughs> but even like I asked um, if you wanted a tea or a coffee or whatever no you, like as you said you hadn't eaten but you also haven't had any so you have had nothing other than some water yeah like dairy I cut dairy out of my diet and stuff Completely. like that yeah that's yeah. I mean I suppose that's just you being very in tune and and I suppose you, you got to mind your your instrument yeah I look at Liam Gallagher and I'm like like the most amazing voice ever like in the 90s and stuff and he obviously smoked a lot of cigarettes and drank a lot of beer and stuff like that but you can see his voice changed so much as he got older mm. um, still obviously like a, a great singer but he's had to kind of adapt because his voice isn't like the young voice that he had so I kind of that's in my head as well I'm like you know if I it doesn't stop me drinking like but I don't smoke anyway yeah I'd be kind of I'd be conscious of it now because I find like if I practice certain people like when I do Donald Trump you know what you gotta do and it's very much like that you know it's wonderful a lot of people a lot of people are telling me but if I do that for like oh, yeah, five I, minutes my tell. voice is red raw I well yeah I can actually hear it yeah, yeah. I put a load of pressure on your you voice you know it's yeah. like it's wonderful I love go away I gotta come and visit you gotta you gotta <laughs> take out the red carpet for Trump so when you're off off and you're not gigging or whatever do you allow yourself to to eat cheese or have milk no just cut it out uh, no, I don't even. Would you believe? It? I think I'm the only person who doesn't like cheese. All oh, right, okay. I don't like cheese, but there you go. or sorry, but to answer your question, actually, which I completely like deviated from, um, not purposefully. Uh, I was doing it a bit when I was younger, yeah, but not not massively. Like I wasn't always doing it. Like my friends kind of wouldn't have known that I was one or two of them would have known that I was good at it. Like because they were the only like my friend Alan Cashman, like who still to this day like helps me write stuff and stuff. No, oh, brilliant. Uh, he's a great sounding board. He kind of knows what's funny or something. And um, I was doing it for him. I was doing Dave O'Leary doing you know Mick McCarthy I was doing all these lads yeah, when I was yeah. younger like and 
I then you would have looked at Mario and he was doing Mourinho and you would have been kind of like doing the I would have been doing the Mourinho based off his Mourinho and stuff like that. But uh, I wasn't like overly doing it. And when I got into it, then it was very random. Like it was like quintessential Irish GA story. Uh, yeah, a row when a match breaks out. Um, my cousin's involved my uncle's involved and I'm kind of standing aside I'm like alright if I don't like at least pretend to get involved here I'm in trouble like as in I'll be looked upon like a coward so I better jump in and throw my shoulder at someone or something anyway the paper comes out anyway it looks like I am like properly stuck in the middle like going at it like you know it was a completely a total misrepresentation because it was like all pushing and shoving like and it looked like it was this vicious you know Okay. riot you yeah. know, that was going on and all the lads were sending to me and I was like oh my god I'm going to get suspended like and stuff and I didn't get suspended because the video there was nothing in it and uh, so I just did a video then on my Snapchat had done the face swap thing Yeah. so sent it to the lads and the lads were like just that's brilliant like and if you watched it now compared to my stuff you'd be like just that's terrible okay okay and, okay but it, I was like oh my god and the boys like, got to put it on the internet and mm. I was like no and I kind of at the time had the sense to think like it's only a little row Mullingar who cares about it like bro right. so that night I didn't sleep and I was up all night and I was like I'm just going to do the same video tomorrow but like about the championship so I did like uh, Colin Parkinson who's like the from the GA uh, Smaller Fish GA podcast I was doing him talking to like you know Davy Fitz and all yeah. these boys and at the time Jerlick Nan didn't even like I didn't even have him did a bit of brawly um, and I didn't actually have the confidence to put it on my own page because I didn't want to look like I was trying to get attention for it so one of my mates Dennis Croon he keeps ringing me and I'm like, oh, like I'll tell you what you throw it up there and see what happens he's like perfect give it to me boom he threw it up and it went viral off his page yeah. So and Paddy McKenna calls me up and he's like, uh, "We come to Joe. We might have a job for you." And I, I'm working in three at the time selling phones. And uh, you know the people that ring you up and they're like, "Hey, want to get your phone bill?" Blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, you yeah, know, I can yeah. save you money. And um, so I was doing that job. And Paddy rings me up and he's like, "Do you want to? Uh, you know, you're a good impressionist. Blah blah blah. Come and have a meeting with him and I and the Gary over at Joe." So I sat in the meeting and the lads are like, "So show me your stuff." And I'm like, "See that video there? That's my stuff." I was right, like, "That's yeah. all I have." And they're yeah. like, "All right." Oh, we thought you'd be able to do whatever. Can you do the UK lads, Premier League? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, all right. And I was like, well, just give me a week or so and I'll come back to you. Um, sent a video over of doing like certain people uh, from the UK. Sent it to them. But I was like, mm. Sent it over to England. Lads in England were like, oh, he's okay. Um, so I didn't get the job and I left. Oh, I was dejected leaving Joe. And I'd already pretty much had let the lads at Trino like I was on the way out the door. So, right, so you went in there thinking, okay, this is a done deal. Sort of. I was fully confident I was going to get it, didn't get it then, and uh, went back down to tree then, and I kind of told them that I did get it. Okay. Because I was giving my notice in, because I decided that day, what I learned in the, the 10 days they gave me to do the video was, the impressions got better Yeah. over the course of a few days. So I was like, this isn't actually like just this natural gift or anything. Like This is like, if you put the hours in here, you can kind of sound like, I obviously have some sort of like, vocal ability to do it but it's all about putting in a lot of time and I was like the hell with it I'm just going to put in loads of time to this so I was like I just quit the job I was like 27 at the time yeah Um, I was recently single and I was just like I kind of didn't have what's Leonardo DiCaprio saying the Titanic says when you got nothing you got nothing to lose yeah yeah so yeah, yeah, I yeah. just gave up work Threw yourself parents didn't it. really care like they were just like oh. yeah. and I just was so you were on the dole, basically. I was on the rock and roll. Yeah, I was yeah, I was yeah, on the one eighty eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does it get easier now that you're years down the line? You're doing it. Yeah, like certain characters, like you'll always put them in similar situations, or they'll always say kind of similar things, or twist them in different ways and stuff like that. But um, 
Yeah, the the writing of it, like the writing of it is the big thing. And that's what kind of people don't realize. Even when they ask you to do something small, you're like, that could take me two or three days. Like, like yeah. it, it mightn't come to me. Like, now, I did a sketch last week about Prince Harry's Sky Sports. That's brilliant. It's <laughs> one of the, I think, the most recent on your Instagram page. It's yeah. so funny. Like, I wrote that in like half an hour. Did you? But then I might try to write something that could, and I'm like, I can't write it. And then there's weeks like over Christmas, I felt that writer's block. I couldn't write anything. Yeah. And some things just come to you like, but, uh, yeah, like, so I'd spend a couple of hours in the morning, like, doing some impersonations, and then I'd spend some time just writing some stuff or ideas or even jokes for somebody or something. Like, next month, Netflix have a golf series coming out, and they also have Drive to Survive Formula 1 coming out. Like, I've already, they're written up, so Good I just idea. have to record them then, you know, like, uh, next month. And then it's just about hopping on stuff. A lot of what I do is um, is reactive, like, so I'd wait for something to happen. When it happens, then it's like, okay, do something off it. Because my stuff is online. Like, if you did something on television, it would have to be more evergreen, which I find harder to write evergreen stuff. Um, just creating stuff out of nothing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I've even, like, tried to improve that. Like, I've even just started reading, like, just books, like, classic, like, the classic top 50 books of all time kind of thing. Okay. Because a lot of books, like, when you go back through, like, the history of literature and stuff, all stories today are kind of based off stories that were written years ago and they've twisted them in different ways and it's just trying to get different ideas in but like I kind of struggle with that but I'm really good like if Ronaldo does something and it's like you know when he le- the week he left Man United I had two ideas in my head but I got I got, I got sick oh right okay and I was like and my nose was all bunged up and I couldn't then do the videos like I wasn't like floored with it or anything I could have recorded it but it would have been like Ronaldo would have flew yeah okay so at the beginning right so you you go into Joe and you do your thing and they say look at not right now you go off you're you're working away you're on the dole that's for how long are you doing that before something else happens four months right four months and uh I I did a gig uh like I was I was over in New York and um McGregor was fighting Eddie Alvarez and I was in New York or whatever and these lads said to me here like it wasn't a paid gig grant they were like you won't get up there and do a few impressions you know whatever and it was it was the mean fiddler okay you know what I mean fiddler yeah 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 yeah. so I was like I get the hell with it sure I'll just do it like you know what I mean I'm here for the weekend and I get up and so I get up and I start talking now imagine walking into coppers and telling everyone like to shut up at 12 o'clock shut up this fella's gonna do some voices and everyone's kind of looking at you going who's this lad so the guy the DJ is like everybody stop and there's sailors in there there's seven places like jammed Yeah. I start talking sure you first off no one can really hear you second off no one wants to hear you everyone's still doing their thing around you and I'm standing there and one of my mates from Mullingar that was there actually sent me a video of this like it was six months ago and it's so cringy and painful looking at myself so like and this fella just hits me with an ice cube hits me right in the face with the ice cube and then in my, in my thinking in that split second I was like I'm going to pretend to to go with this lad. Okay, okay. N- not because right. I want to go at him. I actually, I wanted to nearly tank him, but I was going to rugby tackle him before I tanked him. Yeah. But just to get <laughs> off the stage. So I kind of took a run at this fellow, whatever. Nothing really happened. A bit of a skirmish. Everyone's like, what the hell is this? Like, the mic was like, <laughs> boom, boom, off the floor. And then I was off and I was like, oh, grand or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think I met the fellow later on. And I, you know, I was like, oh, sorry. I was like, oh, man, for a play, you got me off the stage. <laughs> but that happened. That was my first ever live event. And I was like, oh my God, like that was horrific. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, "Is this for me?" You know, I was like, "This is rough." Like, you know what I mean? This comedy stuff, you know, it can be so bad. And uh, it took me a while. My cousin got married then at Christmas, and he had already penciled me in to do a thing at his uh, his wedding at Christmas. 
And I was like, oh yeah, I'll do it. And I swear to God, I thought of even like making myself hoarse the day before. Okay. I thought of it going outside and scream. I, like, I live out in the country. I was going to like just go out and scream in the field for about half an hour. So I didn't have to do it because I was like, no, nah, like I don't want to ruin his wedding. Because I just, I didn't feel I had a set. I don't know whatever happened to me that night. I was like, oh, you can't do that. That is like, that's, that's, that's quitting like, you know. And I sat down in... Uh, the box room in the house and I just wrote stuff and I was writing stuff and I was writing stuff and then I also had the added advantage that his father is probably my best impersonation ah, my okay. uncle and when I was in the GA yeah, yeah, club yeah. I'd be doing him the whole time and it kind of has one of these voices like this it's, you know it's funny it's, his nose been broke a couple of times <laughs> okay. so I get up and I'm like breaking it breaking it having a whiskey before I go up and everything and uh, get up there anyway and it goes amazingly the whole place now it was a home gig do you know what I mean and they were all mad to see me do it live anyway because they'd watch the videos yeah. and that gave me massive confidence then um, in fact it gave me too much confidence because I did a couple of gigs after that then that went really well as well and then I thought I had it sewn up and I was doing kind of small GA same kind of wedding GA vibe kind of gigs which are kind of intimate and everyone loves a bit of slagging and take the piss out of him and him and whatever it just even mentioning names nearly gets a laugh yeah, yeah. and then I go do a corporate gig one evening with the same gig right. completely flat dead um, Broly was at it would you believe okay. and Broly was telling Evan you want to sit wait until he goes up there wait until it's going to be absolutely wonderful he's so brilliant this fella you know and I get up there anyway stink the place out and then when I'm coming down like literally shame me head down and Broly's just like he's standing up there and he's like yeah, you're yeah, wonderful yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was a great gig to do because I realised then I was like well I don't have that set like yeah I have the set for a wedding I have the set for a GA gig I have the set for a golf club I have those sets and it's kind of like knowing what you have and what you don't have I was like I can't go into at the minute like you know like the Bank of Ireland Christmas party or whatever like that like with Gerlach Nan and like all these sports people Tiger Woods you know what I mean it's just going to fall flat on so many people because they are not going to be interested in sports for instance like you know who's you know or they're not going to know the things about those that I know kind of thing and yeah. so then I did Vicar Street last uh, September and then I you know wrote a whole show that was just catered towards Irish people and then I used like a good bit of that and I had brilliant corporate gigs over Christmas. All of them went like so well. But it, it, it's right. all like a learning thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you get up there and like, and every comedian tells you the same thing. Like the best gigs are the gigs that like where you do tank like and you learn. But it's it's about learning. Like some people come off the gig and they'll be like blaming the audience and like that's just not the right. Uh, it's like with the corporate gigs now, like I just f kind of find it the owl you know slagging off humour doesn't work like they're expecting more it's harder to get the last but yeah. you just have to think about the jokes better you have to be trying and be smarter in what you're doing like and have them kind of going oh that was good that was oh yeah I didn't see that coming I find it like that so it's kind of the, so I remember meeting Barry Murphy from Upper Match mm. and he said like the biggest thing for it is just know the room like always know the room you're going into even like the Red Bull Red Bull gig I did a couple of weeks ago actually like when I got over there it was in London it was in the O2 arena or whatever now not the main arena like some room off and I was like oh where's the where's the gig and she the lady was like oh you're in it this is it and it was like 2,000 people with glow sticks. It was a nightclub. So I was doing there. I just didn't get All the right, brief right. or whatever. I yeah, didn't look yeah, at yeah. it. It was in the brief, to be fair. I didn't read it like, and it was like, I just thought it was like a sit down dinner sort of thing. And I was on stage then with Max Verstappen and Christian Horner and these boys from uh, Red Bull and Sergio. And there's all these glow sticks and people just, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just there going, yeah, of course, it's wonderful. Doing all these voices. <laughs> it was still grand, but it was like, if I know if I had actually read the thing and known what I was going yeah, into, yeah. I probably would have had maybe a song or something. You'd bring the energy up like on that one or something, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I still went really well, but it was, yeah. Do you love live gigs? 
Uh, I love after them. All right. Yeah. Or, or even after two minutes. It's it's the half an hour beforehand and it's just the two minutes at the start or the minute at the start that's like, it's a bit like hell. You're like, oh my God. Because like, even though it doesn't happen to you, but you're always like, is this the day my mind's going to go blank? Yeah. Is this the day like, oh no, panic is going to set in. I'm going to have my first panic attack or something. You're Like all this stuff is in your head like before you do uh, a live thing. But uh yeah, as soon as I'm in it, I'm kind of like, I always tell myself, I was like, after like 45 seconds after a minute, like I'm going to be really comfortable. I know I am. And then at the end of it, like, I, I always love the end of the gig, like, and just kind of meeting people and stuff like that and just coming down off it. Like, um, I've never got that kind of come down thing. In fairness, doing the Vicar Street stuff, I for like for six years, I was doing after dinner gigs, like really, like everything was after dinner, like it was golf gigs and stuff. So I was always, always mindful when I was walking on stage that like people aren't actually there to listen to me. They're there for a different reason. I'm just part of the entertainment. So you kind of had to, like in golf when I started out, you kind of had to win people over. Um, but like now with golf, when I walk out to a room, nearly everyone knows you now at this stage, kind of like for doing the voices. So they're all kind of like smiling, waiting for you to start. And people are like, oh, when you're doing Vicar Street, like just last September and doing that live show around Ireland, it must have been so tough, like, you know, going from that to that. And I was like, no, it was actually way easier, like, because I don't know what this, I, I was never so calm doing gigs, like doing the live tour around Ireland, because for the first time in my life, I was doing gigs where people actually paid to see me. So yeah. I felt like I was walking out in front of friends. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it just—I I, was—I'd never so calm doing gigs in all my life. Jo- I thoroughly enjoyed them. Brilliant. Like the best comment I was getting, I was love uh, a lot of. Uh, I was thinking that my gig would be like eighty percent men, twenty percent women. I was fully sure it'd be like that. And when I was looking at, it, I was like, "No, this is fifty-fifty." Great. And I was like, "Wow." Yeah. But after the gig, so many women were coming up. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what I was coming into tonight. <laughs> okay. I was like, I only came because he dragged me. But Jesus, that was great. And that was the best comment I was getting. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the show the show I was doing, like, it's not sports. Like, it's not, like, as in, there's Sunday game stuff in it, but everyone in Ireland knows, well, mostly the Sunday game. But, like, uh, doing David Attenborough, you're doing Michael D, doing Tommy Tiernan, you know, so, and then there's a bit of sports as well. Like, so I kind of was trying to get everybody in the room. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't like it's just a sports thing or whatever. Like it was like kind of half mainstream Ireland, even more, and then bits of sports and stuff like that. Yeah. But in terms of voices, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it a, is it just Katie Taylor that you do this female? Or do you do other female voices? You know what I mean? I love doing a bit of Katie, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just, uh, you know, it always gets good out crack, you know what I mean? And everyone loves Katie, so it's great. Uh, who else? <laughs> I was looking at Joanne and that. My wife's always... Oh. Um, Joanne McNally. Yeah, always playing the podcast Vogue and Joanne. Yeah, you know great. what I mean? Vogue! Vogue! What's going on? Like, what's going on? I don't know. And I'm like, just that would be a dynamite one, like, yeah. to break out on, uh, on TV on the late later or something like, because uh, she's just so huge now. She is like, so huge. Everyone seems to love her. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm looking at that one, I'm like, just if you could really nail that, like, that'd be a great one, like, um, like to be doing around Ireland. But Katie, yeah. And then, see, I would have imagined that Katie's accent is so hard because of, it's not just the accent, but it's the, Whatever the inflection in her voice, or whatever yeah, you yeah. call it, but that, but that's all you play off. Like at the end that of the day, crackle. if you sat me and her down together and was like, yeah, talk like Katie, like you'd notice a massive difference. It's just sure, get, sure. It's like some people, you just pick that kind of inflection, and it's like you just run with it. Yeah, and it's like you know what I mean, and that's it, you know, <laughs> kind of like that. Like, but uh, if you sat here, it's kind of like the same when I do in the golf with Ian Poulter. My Ian Poulter's like, oh well, you know that's it, it's amazing. But Poulter's more like. Yeah, so I played really well with that today, and uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but yeah, I just yeah. you just kind of run with these because it has to be kind of funny too. Like, do you know, it's not, like some voices, like people are just really impressed that it's really accurate. It's like when I do Tiger at gigs, I'm like, they're like, so Tiger, how do you think things went? And I'm like, 
well, the conditions are really tough out there. They're really tough. And you see pe- like people in the audience like, <gasps> and they're just, that's that's all they want. They just want to hear it perfect. But while yeah. other voices then they want, like they don't do that for that, even if it's accurate. Like, so it's got to be funny. Yeah. So you kind of find out and characters develop as you go on. Obviously the, the, the Tiger Woods stuff, it, it was genius and is genius. And it seemed to, I mean, you've had so many moments where this has been a pivotal moment in your career and, and a jump up and a jump up. But the Tiger stuff and doing an ad with him and meeting him in person was massive. Oh, yeah. And he was like so sound. He yeah. was like the soundless. The funny thing, like people were like, oh, and people that were like, there was this book that came out like not too, uh, not too long before I did the ad and people were like, did you read the book before you were going over? I was like, no, I didn't. I was actually, I made sure I not to read it because like it's people kind of from the outside talking about Tiger or whatever and he might have been rude to someone sometime or something like that, which, listen, you know what? He was one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah, okay. I was like, and not only that, like he had gone to the trouble to look onto my YouTube page and watch like stuff on GA videos and was okay. asking me about like, who's that guy you do with the uh, the condom on your head? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what, Jerlick <laughs> Nan? He's like, yeah, you, you're on stage with that guy? Man, that was funny. That was, oh, that, was really, that was really good. And uh, <laughs> I just thought that was class. I was like, he of took the time to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. And like, he could have just really rocked sound. up and like, hey, how are you going? Like he didn't like, and then at that day. What was like, he at for again? Uh, Bridgestone Golf. So okay. it was for golf balls. It was like, yeah. they wrote to me on Twitter and they're like, uh, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. We might have a potential opportunity here. And I was like, oh, and I was sitting with my brother and I was like, I'd probably get a load of golf balls out of these boots or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was an ad with Tiger Woods like. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, uh, You got more than golf balls <laughs> yeah, I got them as well though Yeah, good I made sure to get them in the end. Nice But uh, no, he was He was brilliant He was like Very I found like He made a real effort With me in Like we were together For like six or seven hours Like, you know Between you know, Like when you're shooting an ad Like you're sitting down a lot Like in between yeah. takes And they're moving cameras And moving lights and stuff And I told him about everything. He asked about my father, my mother, my brothers, what right, they okay, did. Yeah. Like he just did. He he was never an awkward silence with him or anything. It was dead on. My cousin then was telling him about like GA and how things. I was getting changed for one of the things, and I could hear him outside. He was like, "So how did Connor start this?" And my cousin like, "Oh, let's start with a fight in a GA match." <laughs> G is like you know whatever the boys are showing him videos of G matches. He's like, oh, good, cool, cool, cool. Ah, uh, that's deadly. Yeah, no, yeah. he was he was he was so nice. And actually, I, I I was saying it to someone after. I was like, um, geez, he was so nice. And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's really easy to work with. Like, it's like some of the guys when the camera's on, they're brilliant, and when the camera like is off, you know, they're just they're doing their yeah, thing sure. they're yeah. really putting effort in it. and then it was like he's nearly the opposite when the camera's on him and people are like put cameras in his face he's very quiet and he's very like just go away and then when the camera goes off that's great to best hear. fun in the world sure, that's even nicer isn't it because oh, then you're time, getting yeah. the real deal and you don't see that with him and obviously people like no, he, he, he doesn't publicise anything so like he doesn't try to put that like even out there Yeah. Um, I think people are probably seeing it a lot more now because you're seeing a lot less of him on the course now and a lot more of him like off because of his injuries and stuff so people are actually kind of seeing yeah. him how did you break into the whole golf scene? How did that happen? My dad became the captain of Mullingar Golf Club. And uh, he was like, I want you to do a couple of gigs. And again, like, and bless him. Um, and many people, they're like, I'll get up there and do a bit. Get up there and do a bit. And I'm kind of like, and even to this day, I'm trying to tell people like, you know, the more I do in front of the same people, like the less funnier this is going to be. And when you want to do something big or good, like it's going to be, oh, Connor's doing the thing again. You know, it's like we've seen Connor a bunch of times. So my dad was like, I might need you about three or four gigs. And I was like, I'll do one. And that's it. I was yeah. like, I don't have the content to go and do it again in the same characters. But then I kind of thought, like, I was like, he's me father. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I might have to do more than one for him. And I was like, well, maybe I could do golfers. Yeah. And then I was like, maybe I could do a golf video. And then I was like, oh, maybe I could do like, um, you know, 
like gigs around Ireland or something doing this. And then it just opened my head up to about like, you know, I was like, oh, I could make a few quid doing this. I suppose no one's doing this. Yeah, yeah. And did There's the first video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did the first video and all of a sudden then two or three weeks later I was on a flight to, I was on a flight to America and Class. that was it, yeah. The wow. rest is history. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So I suppose the big the big hitters would be the golf and now as you mentioned the Formula One stuff that you're doing. It was over COVID and all my wife's friends were talking about the Grand Prix one day. I was like, who talks about the Grand Prix? I haven't heard people talking about Grand Prix in about twenty years. And uh, I was like, do you watch the Formula One? They're like, yeah, well, yeah, not really. We watched Netflix Drive to Five. And I was like, oh, it's this show about Formula One's brilliant. And I was like, all right. Went home and watched three episodes and we're like, all right, I'm doing that. I knew after three episodes, I was like, this right. is amazing. This is like, this is actually like doing my job for me, this show, because it's shown me the characters, what they're like, because you've no idea what they're like yeah, outside yeah, yeah. doing an interview after a race. But these people are following them. They're seeing them like interact with other people. are seeing fights happen. And then I'm just exaggerating all these things. And I was like... I kind of knew it was weird when I was I did the video I had it ready to go and I was getting married on 13th of November and then I was like I don't know how I got not that I got it mixed up I obviously knew I was getting married on 13th but the video was going to go out like on the 11th or the 12th and yeah. you see for me I had put like months of work into this so it was a big deal and I was like we had to like host people on the Friday night and I was going to put this out possibly Friday and then I'm like I can't do this I was like if this doesn't go well yeah. my head will be wrecked I'll be up they'll be like do you take Fiona to be your wife I'd be like Oh, that was a bad video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would yeah, just yeah, be yeah, stuck yeah. in my head. And um, so I didn't put it out. And then I put it, I, then I was like, I'll put it out the following Friday. And I was even afraid of doing that. We're on our honeymoon. We're in Rome and we were going out to the Roman Forum. And then um, my wife's looking at me and she's just like, just put it out there. Will you put yourself out of your music? Put it out then. And I just seen it like fly. And I was like, oh, yes. And then about a week or two later, I was offered to go to Abu Dhabi for um, the 
final of the Grand Prix. So the CEO was straight on, like, St- uh, Stefano. It was amazing. But I couldn't go because I had a gig and I couldn't get out of the gig and I was kind of raging. And I was like, and Abu Dhabi ended up in probably the most famous race of all time. Right. Where Hamilton Verstappen had the last uh, lap or something for the title. And, uh, and then we were trying to get it going this year and then we ended up going in October and it was just amazing. It's like, again, it's like golf. Obviously, there's plenty of money in that kind of game and sure. you get to see how just the, the whole operation is just incredible. And I was coming back telling everybody, you got to go. You got to go to the Grand Prix. They're amazing. Yeah. My wife's kind of looking at me going, you got to stop saying that, Connor, because what you went to, you were there with the CEO and like yeah, all these, yeah. it was not the same as been sitting down the stand looking at you. I was like, yeah, really, I should stop. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And let's talk about Fiona because you have a lovely, you have a lovely backstory. We met in New York and uh, we started going out and then we were in New York about a year and a half. I was, well, I was there maybe two years, whatever. And then we went home and... I was jumping around between jobs. I had a job in finance. Again, like I was saying earlier on, a job in finance and uh, that was boring me. And I, in my head, finance was like the Wolf of Wall Street. It was going to be like chaotic and just yeah, this okay. And then I was like, you know, it's just not like that really, unless you want to go to New York and be in the stock exchange. But um, I was kind of bored and then I ended up working, selling phones door to door for a while. And then I went to trade. I actually really enjoyed that. And I don't know, whatever was going on with me at the time, anyway, we broke up. And well, Like, look, no breakup is easy. All breakups are 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 crap. Oh yeah, there's degrees of of crapness. Was oh. it was it an okay breakup? Mm, nah, not really. Like okay. it wasn't. Like you were wounded, both of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like definitely. Mm. Um, mm. I was surprised how wounded like I was from it. You know what I mean? And like, and then I couldn't imagine what she was like. And I think I was going through like, I like obviously I'm exactly. I'm being facetious here kind of saying this but like a midlife crisis at 26 or whatever right, age okay, I was yeah, yeah. I was kind of going what am I doing what? and mm. then it was like the pressures and it was like looking at like oh you know do I get a mortgage now and I have to go and do this and you'll like I don't know yeah I was just like no I was, I was I wanted to do all these different things and blah 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 and so I went off for a walk in the desert I uh, yeah I was just kind of I suppose in a sense free and then I was like right I've no job I'm going to do these impersonations I'm going to try to do this and blah 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 in my head, I actually, when we first broke up, I was like, I'm going to go traveling again. I think I need to go traveling again. I need to go and get that out of me and I need to go do this and st- all this type of stuff. And then I then I ended up just falling into the impersonations because of that GA match. And then I was doing them for a couple of years and like, I would always text each other and stuff on like birthdays and stuff like all that. Right, okay. It was always that kind of, you're nearly gone, but then it'd be a text. Yeah, I was like, interesting. I nearly forget about him. And then I text <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Or a drunk text like, happy birthday. She was like, oh, that was six months ago. <laughs> or no, you're six months earlier or something. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, what did you learn about yourself during that time? Uh, I would say I would have grown a lot. Like I like uh, st- stuff that just happened before her. Like I actually, um, I, ha- I, I had a brain tumor when I was in America in 2013. Whoa, did and, not know that. Yeah, and... Uh, Have you spoken about that before? Not really, no. Um, okay. I, yeah, I don't really speak about it. Like, it's like... Because I, I try to... It's, kind of it's a big so, deal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it's... I kind of find like... And I know people say, well, that's not right or whatever, but I kind of find when you just don't give something or dwell on something, like, it just doesn't... You don't really think about it too much. Yeah, fair but enough. But it, it yeah. certainly had a profound effect on me, I think, because, like, I was about 23 or 4, and I was like, you're this happens to you and you're lying in a hospital bed and you're like, oh, I could die. And then you're like, yeah. you're thinking, all right, what have I done? Like, or what did I want to do? And all these questions and you're like, 
only do that. And I've been floating around the last couple of years, like, you know, and I just haven't been doing anything. And, you know, just, again, yeah, the only word I can describe it is floating. Yeah. Not really going anywhere. Wherever the wind takes you, you're just going there. But, like, in terms of, and I would have been, like, pretty ambitious even growing up. And when I get stuck into stuff, I really get stuck into it. And there was a couple of years there, I just wasn't getting stuck into anything. And that happened to me. And I remember there was a couple of months there where it was like, oh, well, we don't know what way this kind of going to go. I got it taken out anyway, and it turned out like <clears throat> I kind of got it just in time. It wasn't uh, like benign, but it wasn't like like uh, aggressively cancerous or whatever like that. So I but had it gone unnoticed, it might have oh one hundred percent, yeah, like Whoa. definitely right. And it took me a while to get even those answers. So for a while, I didn't know what way that was going to go. But so um, did you have to have checkups and stuff like that? Afterwards? Oh yeah, to this day, like you know, okay. I would, yeah. but I would have had, a, I, I would have been like a total hypochondriac for a few years, like where yeah. stuff would have been happening to me, and I was worried about everything. I taught right. it everything. I taught it MS, and even yeah. to this day, I still have, I still get the tingles, and I get all this stuff in my body. But I just know it's not it because, it, like, like for a couple of years after it, anything happened to me at all, I was like, I had to go get a scan. I was like, oh, it's back, it's back, it's and then it's like it's not back, and then even like. Yeah. I was dealing with like a brilliant neurologist and he was like, a lot of the stuff that like is going on with you is actually like stems from health anxiety. It's yeah, not stemmed okay. from that. Where it was in my brain, I think it's like short term memory. He was saying, if anything, it would have affected a bit of that, which I actually have a terrible short term memory. Well, I think I always have, but. Um, okay. So with the, so to this day, yeah, like even last year, I remember like I would be getting muscle twitches and stuff like, like firing off like some mornings and stuff like that. Uh, but I just like, it doesn't really, it doesn't affect me mentally really at all. I'm sure. just like, no. Nah. And then if I need to go get a scanner and you get a scan and it's all clear. But uh, it, it certainly had a profound effect in my life at that time. Like I remember even like, like asking her to go out with me and stuff. Like I wouldn't really have, I kind of went a bit over and beyond kind of like I was pretty out there with it oh, I like it, you know, and usually I'd be, you'd be kind of more trying to play it cool. And so you asked her out after Oh yeah, after the tumour happened then I was kind yeah. of much like, ah, you know, I was working around and then I was like, oh, I'm living life to the fullest and I was... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was in America. I remember the day when the doctor was like, oh, you're grand, you're going to live for a long time or something like that. Like, uh, Now and again, no one can be certain always. Like I still have to get checkups and stuff like that but like I remember like running around Central Park it was a really hot day in July or whatever and I was like jumping along. And even like I find when I get to, <laughs> when I get a scan every... I think I have to do scans now every two or three years or whatever but like every year when you get the scan it's like you've been, you're on the beer and whatever, you're eating crap food. Then <laughs> you get the scan and you're kind of going oh and you're a bit anxious for two or three days you come back it's like oh it's all clear and you're like that's it I'm on the healthy food the water give it to me and I'm like healthy like for about six weeks yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of look at it and I go like it was if I could go back and change it like if someone told me like I was gone next year or something go oh you could go back and change it like I wouldn't change anything like it had such a good effect on me that like yeah um, you're not I, afraid to take risks I suppose yeah and then everything I did like I know I've I suppose like in a bad way sometimes you can be an imp- impulsive but like it can like work to your advantage and stuff and just things like that you kind of look back at that and even when like you know the odd bad thing might happen to you like you don't take knocks as bad like you know you kind of it does give you um, just a better sense of being grateful not to get too like poignant or emotional or anything like that but like I'm like Lewis Hamilton hashtag grateful um, <laughs> but you do it, like and yeah, it has a yeah, it yeah, has yeah. a really amazing effect on you I think and it's had a great effect on me um, in that regard and just with work and everything and like a lot of people are like you must have a lot of pinch me moments and I'm like you know a lot of pinch me moments for me happen on a Monday afternoon when I'm like it's Monday and like, I, I don't feel like I have Mondays. Like, you know, I work for myself. I do my own thing and I'm working in sport. Like, and I kind of feel like, like at the minute, like I'm in, I don't know, I'm really into journalism and journalists and I'm like finding people I like reading and stuff like that. And I like, I just love storytelling. Yeah. And some people are just brilliant at it. It's like, I, even when you listen to like Tommy on the podcast and 
and everyone finds him hilarious but I am always like that was just how he like tells that there how he went there with that story or how yeah. he describes stuff yeah. for me is just like like it's poetry really it is, like yeah. he's a poet like in a funny way absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely so would you have a typical day then do you have structure to your weeks oh yeah big time yeah right you need it oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, well I think you need it. I remember doing it at the start and I was a bit like you know a lot of people that like get these like kind of handy gigs on the internet then it's kind of like oh I don't have to work and I was kind of going well actually if I work the same hours of everybody else like I could really really get good at this I could get way better like because I guarantee you there's probably not too many people putting in 9 or 10 hours a day like and maybe there's a few but I was like you know when you're doing that kind of internet thing so like I, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd go out I used to like not cuddle the dog but we got a dog there I was yeah. like Jesus I was like I wasn't expecting the the love. Oh, what kind of dog do you have? A cockapoo. Um, cockapoo. Cockapoo. Oh, co- like a cocker poodle. Cocker, oh, lovely! Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, oh, he's gorgeous. Like, yeah. And he's and you see, I'm on my own in the house all the time because yeah. Fiona works. And uh, the company he gives me is unbelievable. So he's a big part of my day now. Like walking him in Phoenix Park every day around one o'clock, bring the ball over. But like, I get up maybe seven o'clock. I get up around half six. Try to if I don't hit the snooze button, but. Uh, Try to start around seven, do impressions till nine or something, then get up, have breakfast, and then I'll go back up. There's always something like, you know, at the minute you'd be working on stuff that might be happening next month or whatever. And then um, sometimes, like, I could work all day because at the minute, like, I'm trying to, like, uh, learn more about Formula One because the more you're in it, the more you need to know. And I didn't watch it for maybe 20 years. So, like, at the minute, like, you know, I spent last, one of the days last week learning about engines, like, and crankshafts and all this kind of stuff. And right. the inner workings of an engine. And then in the evening, I might turn on, like, an F1 documentary or something. Because, like, it's just good to know these things so you can hold a conversation with anybody if you're doing an F1 podcast. So are you hogging the telly all the time? Oh, pretty much, yeah. And it's all in the name of work. Oh, right, okay. And we're building a house. I'm like, you want this house built or not? Yeah, so let's, because people <laughs> listening might be going, wait a second now. He was talking about going out with Fiona and then they broke up and then you know she asked something else and oh, then went off and another it's not your fault it's mine <laughs> so a few things no, number one you're living in Ireland because you know you have lived in America but you're you are living in Ireland and mm. you have been for the past uh, since the end of 2020 COVID yeah. I yeah, came COVID. home yeah and I couldn't get back over then and and you and Fiona are married and you're building your forever home yeah in Mulligar okay so how do you go from we're wounded, we're broken up. I'm now just throwing myself into the impressions and, you know, how do you reconnect? How does that happen? As Dunphy would say, it's the GA, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a gig, uh, I was doing a gig in Liberty Hall for, um, uh, the, at the time, Colin Parkinson was doing the GA hour at Joe and uh, I had to go up and do 10 minute slot at the start or whatever and right. uh, drove up, parked down by the boar's head. Hugh gave me an old parking space. And uh, I walked up to Liberty Hall and I was like, I was very conscious that day that like Fiona works in pennies and I was like, I haven't seen her in four years. Like it'd be weird if I walked into her like and I was kind of walking along the Lewis line. I was kind of looking into the people at the Lewis like after work and I was like, no, she's not there, she's not there. Walking along. Anyway. But you were thinking of her concert. I actually was that day. It was weird. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, so I went back, got into the car and uh, after the gig and then as I drove just out the road, just coming onto the kind of main road there, it wasn't Cable Street, it was the other street kind of behind it. Um, she was just walking across the road and I was like oh so I just kind of drove after I was about to say something and then uh, no but in all seriousness how did it feel when you actually saw her you know it was a bit weird I was kind of sitting there I was like did you get the butterflies in the stomach yeah well I, I was um, I was more like I wonder what reaction she'll have now when she sees me kind of thing so you'd been texting the odd time the birthday or whatever but you mm. hadn't actually seen each other in how long at this stage four years right 
Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I drove down the road and then there was a sign that says, Danger, wrong way, turn back. <laughs> <laughs> I was going down the wrong way down that street or whatever. Oh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So I had to turn around or whatever. So I just texted her then. I was like, oh, do you want to go for a drink? She's like, nah, Murray. And uh, I was like, all right, Grant. And then, although she was telling me after, the only reason she said no, she was like, I only have to come in and work. I haven't seen you in four years. And I was like, I wasn't going to meet you, kind of. So, so uh, it wasn't that she wasn't interested. It's just she didn't want to see you just then. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> bit of both, I presume. But anyway, uh, yeah, okay. I texted her again a couple of weeks later or whatever like that and we met up and then that was it really. I was after, it was just at 2019, the time I was living in New York and I was after coming home and um, I was kind of after having like, like I had a great year in New York. I went and I was like, I was always infatuated with New York when I was a kid and when I went to move, I, like when I got the Golf Channel gig, I was like, I'm going to New York to live in New York because I've lived there for a few years in J1s and all this kind of stuff and always struggled to make a few quid like and it was like, uh, hopefully you have enough money to go out the weekend and stuff like that and you blow it all in, you have no money and I was like, wouldn't it be great just live in New York and just not have to work all the time? So I literally went over and I, as a kid, I was infatuated with the Empire State Building, just loved it. So I got yeah. my, I got an apartment right beside it. Class. So literally right beside it and then around the corner was the pub, the Long Hall that like Johnny Kennedy and Colin Clark, two Irish lads have. And I was just hanging out there the whole time with them and I was in there. And it, was, it was like, I was just, we were saying it before the podcast, was like living in New York, you may as well be living in Ireland. Like, yeah. Because the community is yeah, yeah. so small totally. and everyone knows you and stuff. And it was, uh, yeah, just became, I used to hang out there the whole time. I, I was in the apartment very little. I was there. But it was like when you're hanging out in a pub all the time, you're always kind of drinking and stuff. And yeah, when I go home then at the end of the year, the Open was on, Shane had won the Open and uh, I was back home for a couple of weeks and then I was doing some GA stuff. I always like to get home around that time anyway just to be around uh, and go to the finals and stuff. And then that's when we just met again. But I was going back then to Florida in January. We'd go back together like near the end of the year or whatever and I'd gone to Florida and... So you had changed in the sense that, you know, you may not have changed as a person and what really matters, but in terms of your profile, there was a big change in those two years. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, massive. At the end, like, like, yeah. Do you know, I don't think she would have even seen me from the day I started Connor Sketches, like, and then was doing all that, like, uh, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, but it was still very much, we're still like the same. That was the thing. It was just still the same, do you know? So when you met up in person, was it, was it just a feeling of, of, of comfort and slipping back into the old or was it like fireworks or was it a bit of both? Where, how did you feel in on in that kind of reunion? Yeah, it, oh, it, it, it was definitely more comfort. It was just like, I think this is I, meant to be. Yeah, yeah I, I remember we were sitting, we were in Blackbird and Rat Mines or whatever, and I was there rabbit non. After about an hour, I was like, geez, I'm after rabbit non about like, I was giving out about something at the time. <laughs> so it was like, we're very comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> giving out, I don't know what I was giving out about. But uh, so yeah, that was it. And then I was, yeah, just kind of knew, and it was like, you know, um, you go off or whatever. And like everything in life, you're always looking at, you know, that saying about the faraway hills and I went off and I was in America and it was different things like that. And then sometimes you just realize, you know, certain things and they come to you then you're like, oh, geez, I had it really good there. Yeah. Do you think you um, are somebody that has, it sounds like, you know, you're somebody who, I mean, the word, they bandy around the word manifesting a lot nowadays, you know, you can manifest what you want, but you're saying you always want to live you always loved New York. I always wanted to live beside the Empire State Building, and you did. You you wanted to be in a relationship with Fiona, so you went out and you you know you put yourself out there initially and said, "Will we do this?" and and now you're married. So now you're building a home together. Yeah, what's weird is I used to read a lot of those kind of books before 
I had the brain tumor. I used to read them all the time. And then I kind of realized I was like, and this is the like, I think the trap you can fall into in these books. You're always, sometimes you're uh, in, a, I don't know, like a, a place of hope all the time. You're like, oh, things are going to be better down there. And I, I found myself just reading too much of these things. But, and they'd make you feel good but it's like like unless you act on these things and you start acting and then I remember after that happened to me I was a bit like alright less reading and just more doing like okay, start doing stuff and like because like there has to be kind of action to it like and yeah. like if you do want something you have to go after it because at the same time like you look at the Tiger Woods thing and you look I wouldn't have like said I want to do those things people say to me like what kind of goals do you have and um I'm kind of getting better at that, but like a lot of time I'm like, I, I, I just kind of find, I just keep working and then these opportunities just keep coming. Like, yeah. do you know? And it's like, it's a different opportunity or, but yeah, some days I do go, I don't know, you know, some people believe in that type of stuff and some people don't. And I'm like, did I manifest that? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you, like you, you mentioned bars there in New York, but you have your own bar or you're part of, part owner of a bar, aren't you? Yeah, it was, it was, it was because I, I was a piece of furniture in the long haul after a while and the boys were, looking at another place uh, a few blocks up and it was the old Australian bar and then we're like well, we're going to go and take this bar like do you want to get in- involved or whatever and uh, I was like yeah the two lads are great like they're yeah. yin and yang they like both do two like sort of different jobs in the place and they just dovetail brilliantly together and um, I do kind of I'm a bit on the marketing side so bring a bit of attention to the place and so like you know we did the Katie Taylor video there where the fight the, the fight was on and had all the characters in That's it. Like brilliant video. Yeah, a couple of those videos and it just kind of brings attention to the place then and obviously people then like, you know, hopefully you get some people in and stuff like that and the two boys then are excellent at keeping people, you know, in the place. Yeah. Like we opened it up in 20, we tried to open it up in 2020 and COVID hit. Yeah. And uh, so then I kind of, I just thought, all right, well, that's dead. I'm very much like, I was just like, whatever. You know, even though obviously, you know, you stick a few quid into it yeah, and stuff. It's yeah, the first yeah. time I kind of did anything like business wise. And uh, I was just very, people were ringing me like when this all happened, they're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm grand. You know? So I was like, whatever. Yeah. And I kind of looked at it like it was dead and gone. And turned out it wasn't then. Like the boys kept the place going. And uh, the last year has been excellent in it. Like, you know, Class. it's got a decent little name for itself in New York now. And it's, uh, yeah, it's going really well. And I love getting over there and then visiting and stuff. I love it. It's weird. Some people like be texting, write to me on social media. They're like, well, are you in the pub tonight? And I'm like, no, I'm in Ireland, man. <laughs> and then it's weird because some days I'd be in the pub and they're like, we came down tonight. We're like, oh, we might see you. Just can't believe you're here, you know, and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's very much like people are like, is it a golf crowd or whatever? It's very much an Irish crowd to go in. Yeah, great. Uh, a lot of Irish people. So how are you getting on with the house? Because uh, we're, we're building a house as well at the moment and I'm learning a lot about stuff. Oh, I to could, do with do you need me to get on and build your house because I can build it <laughs> there's stuff there oh it's like I feel like oh it's a great time and it is it is great in a sense like when things kind of come together but there's so much like stress to it as well and um, what stage are you at we've got the roof on okay very good the windows, windows next in hopefully next month it's looking like yeah. great stuff yeah yeah oh, it's lovely I love where it is it's down in uh, I grew up there so I'm like building a house pretty much in where I grew up but like the lake is just there um, Block Enel Belvedere House like I don't know if you've ever been in it but like I haven't actually no it's just the nicest walk in the world you just go down there and just walk or or even like going onto the lake and you know I'd bring me stuff out and people are like do you fish I'm like no no I just go out there and write stuff <laughs> you know? yeah and then like the golf club is around the corner um, and you're only like five six minutes from Mullingar just out you know but you're nicely just out in the country kind of a way um, 
Oh, it's lovely. Like I, I can't wait to get down there. Like can't wait to get it up and running and stuff like that. And kind of I work out of it then. Um, yeah, I have a kind of place to work, a proper place. Like do do a room or two up. Like so it's um, for recording stuff. At the minute, like we're living out in Chapel Lizard. I have to say it, it's lovely. Like, but like I, I work out of a room now. It must be well be a bathroom. People will be, I be doing zooms like, and they all see is this big green thing behind me. Yeah. Like, okay. where do you do your, you know, what studio do you use? I was like, oh, you're looking at it. No, I can't wait to, you know, get the house built. It's, it's, yeah, there's, there's just something kind of like, it's one of those milestones in your life. You're like, oh, geez, I have a front door. Like, you know, I can't wait to have a front door and walk into my yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Fair play, because I mean, I know you, you always speak about that. You are really gifted. You're extremely talented, but you wouldn't be the name you are today if you didn't absolutely work your ass off doing oh. the material. Oh yeah, like and just evidence of that is like go back to the start of my Facebook page, for instance, and just look at the impressions, like and how like they were getting adulation back then because no one else was doing a lot of these people, like right. Okay. But if you look at them now compared to what I do now in terms of the voices, like they're very poor. Do you know? It just goes to show you that, like, if you wanna, I shouldn't be really giving away the secrets here. <laughs> you know, hundred good impressions, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I just find it's like that. Like, you just have to put the hours in. But like, you know, like people said to me, like, oh, you're such a hard worker. And I remember my cousin was doing an extension in his house and he handed me a shovel one morning. It was like, shovel a bit of concrete there with him or whatever. So I was getting dizzy after 10 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, and then you'd be, people would be like, you work so hard. And I'm looking over at the boys and I'm like, they're like, you're useless. But yeah, yeah, I put in the hours. But like, again, like, I'm blessed. Like, it's not, to me, it's not work. Like, I, again, I might get up in the morning and I might, and I might say, oh, from 11 till 12, I'm going to like listen to the second captain's podcast or whatever. And the boys talking about football. Yeah. And, but for me, like, I'm just, like even if I wasn't working on it, I'd be listening to that podcast. Like it's a great podcast, or whatever. Just for sure. But yeah. also, I look at it Everything's like work, research, yeah. And I'm trying to like you know, and you know, and they're talking about stuff that they might know, and you're trying to look, and you're like, oh, that fella's like that, is he? And you find out stuff about characters, and or managers or stuff, yeah. or stuff that you didn't know happened in that week. So even that, like, I find, and I'm like, how cool is that? that that's work. Yeah, of course. You know? Do you find it hard to switch off though? If if you're always kind of looking for inspiration. Oh, I don't switch off. Do you not? Oh, like I'm going to bed at night now and I'm just like... Wired. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm good. If I do an awful lot of work and I get an awful lot done, it's kind of like I go, oh, I can rest. Mm. I've done enough. But most of the time, like, no, no, no. And then even if I'm like listening to someone and someone says something funny, I'm like, that was good. Okay. <laughs> so do you have long-term goals? Um, because the work that you do, it, it requires a lot of minding yourself, minding your voice. And do you still see yourself on stages in 10, 20 years time? Uh... I don't know like when I was growing up as well like it was always my kind of dream to be a, like a businessman have a business or two and stuff like that and I kind of I look at it now I'm always looking at stuff I'm like maybe okay. I, could I get involved in that could I get involved in that and then also to have that as a backup if it ever happened like I was only I was doing like a, an interview with the Independent a couple of weeks ago and I was just saying um, like I, I did construction in 2006 in college and then dropped out um, and went back and did my leaving cert again to go back to co- to, go, to get the points to go to Dublin to go to college really fair play yeah, yeah and when I went I, it was 2008 like and all anybody like risk management we had that about five days a week because yeah. the crash had happened so the tr- like the thing to be talking about was like protecting yourself and the word I remember from college like and it's funny when the Wolf of Wall Street uh, Leonardo DiCaprio the guy says to him so what's the secret to your success and he goes um diversification and I remember in college like it was just diversification 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 and so when I started doing this I was a little bit like geez you know I I you know, 
just from like a business point of view like protect myself a little bit like that it's not all GEA stuff because like I don't mean like I ever see myself getting cancelled but like you never know you could say something or something stupid or whatever yeah. and then all of a sudden then it's like oh we don't want him doing that anymore but like then if you're doing golf and you're doing Formula 1 and you're doing different games you'd really have to say something really stupid to yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah swipe them all out yeah yeah but uh, and not even that but also people just getting tired of you in a particular game and also the fact that like you know, if I was just doing GEA now still for the last six years since I started doing it and you, you had to like keep making content and stuff, I'd say people would be bored with it right now. But instead, yeah. like I might do three or four videos a year and then when it comes out, it's been like so long since the last one. It's like, you know, it's received well because it's you're not oversaturating it. So like being involved in all the different sports for me is important. And I suppose then I look at it and I go, all right, well, maybe can I protect myself even more by like maybe getting involved in one or two things that are not related to comedy or not related to kind of entertainment in a sense. Um, Where did those smarts come from? I won't call it smarts. I call it paranoia. I don't know. Like you have a good business head in you because you, you, you clearly know, yeah. you know what you want to do but you also know I want to make a few bob of this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like at the end of the day, like that's like obviously what you're like. Well, I wouldn't say that's what I'm doing it for. I do it like I, I love it. Like if I wasn't making like you know, if I was just getting by on it, I'd still do it. Do you know what I mean? Like I do love doing it. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you know like yeah? If I had a, if I was just getting by doing this, or I had a job and someone says, oh, you're on a hundred grand a year in like you know a finance company, I would like prefer to do this. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. I. W- I so like it's I wouldn't say like money's a motivation well not since I started building the house now it's a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> you're looking at it and you're going okay might not have the money for that <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I don't know like when I was younger again like when that happened to me in 2013 stuff I was kind of sitting there going just I had all these kind of ambitions I was going to do this and I was going to do that and I was kind of like thinking about doing them all the time mm. and all, it will happen in the future but like not really acting on any of it and then yeah, ever since that kind of happened to me, I kind of act a lot more on stuff and kind of just, um, it makes you, people go, I don't care what people think. Like everybody cares to a certain degree what people think. If you didn't, like you're a sociopath. Yeah. Like I would like to think that my family think I'm a decent individual. Like people around me think I'm, you know, a nice enough guy that like I wouldn't like, you know, do anything bad to anybody. But at the same time you go, you know, you can't be like making decisions based on like what you think other people are going to say or do and stuff like that. Like I knew, I remember one thing when I, quit the job when I was 27 I was thinking about like like relatives and friends and them going jeez what's he doing he's 27 and he's like going making videos and I remember I thought of it for about 10 seconds and I was like like F it like yeah yeah you know. great and I just kind of so yeah I was, I was always kind of like that that happened to me and then I was like I suppose with the I, I remember reading a book one day and it was like uh, people kind of there's two things that motivate people like one of them is like attainment and getting something and the other thing is fear so like you're either going towards something or you're going away from something and I maybe I kind of go well maybe it's kind of my fear of like that day where you are done or whatever and it's like well what will I do you know yeah 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 um, you know I was just talking to someone the other day about it and it's like yeah yeah and I was like I don't know if I'd be doing it in 10 years he goes yeah you think that and he goes in 10 years then your kids are going to school you've all these other expenses and you're like oh no you got to do this you got to keep going you got to do that and it's like so yeah I'd kind of be always trying to think long term long yeah. picture yeah 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 with uh, short-term impulses. <laughs> yes. And in the short term, right now, you're you're right smack bang in the middle of a tour. Yeah. So tomorrow. Olympia last night. Yeah. And you're all over the place for the month of February. And you have another date in March for the Olympia. Yeah, next month, uh, start of March or whatever. So uh, tickets are on. We're in Cork, Kerry, Wexford, loud, loads of places. And tickets are at connorsketches.com for whatever is kind of left. I know like... 
Funeral sold out. Mullingar, like it might be, I'm trying to see, can I put on a few more dates, Mullingar, the, the homecoming. When I first done the gig last year, everyone was like, wait a minute, no Mullingar on it? And uh, I was like, no, 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 I want it to be last when I finish it. So I wanted to do a couple of gigs just to kind of finesse it. Because yeah. I was like, I'm not going there my first week. Okay. Mullingar. I was like, I want to end it at Mullingar. But I'm not actually, I end up doing a few nights at Mullingar and then I've got the Olympia and end the week after. And then I head to America for golf. Class. Mm. And then I'm doing, I'm starting an F1 podcast as well. Okay. Kind of just doing sketches and stuff like that. And On your uh, own or with others? Uh, on my own, but I'll probably have to do a bit of chatting with someone like about like what's going on in Formula 1, that kind of thing. Come here. Um, so Tommy has been on the podcast. Tommy Tiernan has already been on and uh, he had a guest on the show recently, Roy Keane. Would you have a word with him about coming on this pod? <laughs> it's it's so funny. I was looking at that. I, I was looking at that, uh, that, that piece and I was like, this is the way I saw it in my head. I was like, I'd be, I was kind of going when I'd be doing a Tommy I was like Jez I'd love to interview Roy Keane you know I'd say it'd be just a staring competition of about 15 minutes just you know <laughs> and Keane I just like I was like and then in my head I was like uh, the bit I had kind of written out it's amazing how the sex therapist came on after Keane yeah yeah Jenny Keane my who's bit, also been on the pod yeah yeah so my bit was uh, you know I'd love to interview Roy and I wouldn't ask him about Saipan or any of that crack now I'd uh, I'd, I would just talk to him about sex, you know, and <laughs> his opinion on modern day sex. And I could just imagine his response like, you know, we don't, we don't have sex. People are overcomplicating it. <laughs> you know, you just get in there. You're 90 seconds to perform. Get in there, do your job. <laughs> you know, people talking about positioning and, you know, formations, foreplay. No foreplay back in my day. You just did your job. <laughs> End of the day. <laughs> Then I'd ask him to recite a poem and I'd say he just hit me after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So had you that done? Well, I've that written down and that done and I was watching the funny. episode and I was like, oh my God, this is exactly how I have the bit like written out. Like, And the fact that Jenny came on after it, yes, I was like, it even makes now more sense when I tell it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. so I was talking to Roy and Jizzy gave me nothing. And I'd say if I asked him the time, he would have kept it to himself. And then a sex therapist came on And on the way home I thought oh, I should have asked Roy about sex <laughs> That's brilliant <laughs> I love it I love it So you're always You're always watching You're always tuning into stuff It's always Look it's, you're, you're Again it's back to the manifesting You're, you're, you're predicting stuff That's going to happen I do, yeah, maybe I am. <laughs> Come here, it's been brilliant talking to you. It's, you know, I'm a huge fan. You're so talented. And look, we, we could have, you could have done a million impressions during the chat, but I suppose I really wanted to get a sense of of you yourself. And, 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 uh, and I feel like I did, which is great. So thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. No, yeah, and it's always nice to have these conversations and it's not all just like voice after voice. And I really enjoyed it. And thanks so much for having me on. If you like this episode, you can support the pod in all the usual ways by clicking follow, giving a rating or leaving a little comment. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.